Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Kim. I'm Lisa. And we have Anne DeWitt here. She is someone that I met at the Western New York ACB convention, and she does something really fascinating. The name of her company is Tangible Surface Research, and she is here to tell us all about what she does. And tell them the funny story about how you and Anne met, because I think the way that you were drawing people into <laughs> understand a little bit more about what you did, Anne, was a fascinating thing. It did, definitely gave me a giggle when he was telling me about it. Yeah, I was sitting there, and I heard Anne say, would you like hot apple cider? And she kept saying that to people as they walked by, and they were like, Absolutely, I would love some hot apple cider. And she said, okay, you're making it. And the majority of these people were like, how am I making it? Because Anne had a microwave. She was using her tactile overlay for the microwave to teach people how to utilize that specific microwave that they've never seen before, which I thought was really cool. Right, right. The whole idea of these overlays is that we put shapes on the overlay for the different functions. So you know the start is a triangle, the stop is a X. So we have come up with these things called tactile icons for home appliance features. So it sounds like there's some uniformity there. So if you were using different models of a microwave or different appliances, stop, for example, would always be your X and start would always be your triangle. Is that correct? That's exactly it. I come from a product development background. I worked at Xerox for a while and six years I worked on a user interface for a like copier printer. Consistency, uniformity, those are things that are very important. So when you go from screen to screen or even within Xerox, you go from machine to machine or different machine you know the start button's always going to be this round green button kind of thing. The icons are always going to be the same. And I was touring ABVI, the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Rochester, and I noticed the bump dots. There's a wide variety of how they use them. And I was like, huh. So I came up with this idea of shapes. How about using tactile icons? Just like we have visual icons, use tactile icons for the different functions. And so that's what I do. So now we have these overlays, or I sell individual ones, but they're tactile icons that you can put on your home appliances. They provide that consistency and uniformity. So wherever you go, you feel that X, well, that's the stop or cancel function. That kind of reminds me of the older cassette recorders from National Library Service and APH, where the play button was always a circle, the stop button was always an X, the pause button was always a line, rewind and forward were always arrows pointing in those directions, and the record button, there was nothing on the record button, so you always knew exactly what button you were pressing, and those were kind of uniformed as well. Well, they were definitely uniformed. Right. That's what I like. That's what I find really appealing is if you have one for your stove, for instance, and one for your washer or what have you, then it would be very 
simple and seamless for you to then recognize, oh, okay, this is this, this is this, and it's kind of universal amongst your various appliances if you were to have more than one. Love that. Right. My background is as a rehabilitation teacher, so I worked with people teaching them to live independently in their homes. I have all kinds of questions. I guess one of them would be, are these one specific color or are they various colors? So that would add an additional layer of feedback for someone with low vision? Or are you just dealing with a single color at the moment? I have a, a variety of options. To keep the cost low, I only have two materials. I have one material that's a silicone and it's translucent, so it's somewhat see-through. Oh. And I found some people like that because they live in a blended environment, so you can actually still see the label underneath. So that's one option. Then I use craft foam and I laser cut it. That comes in any color. So I can do pretty much any color that works. Maybe that start would be green and that stop would be red. That's an option to have uh, different colors for the different functions. Fantastic. You just answered my question about the types of materials. I was curious what the overlays felt like. When you sell the overlays, are they a package? For example, if I say to you, I'm just picking a name. I don't know. I have a microwave from Sears. It's this model number. Would you send a single sheet kind of template or would you send the various icons so that they could be placed as needed? Right. So this was something I learned at that conference where I met Chris. I originally was making the overlays custom for your appliance, right? You give me the make and the model and most times I can look it up and make an overlay that fits perfectly on that appliance. I think there's also a need for individual stickers. So now I also sell individual packets of stickers, your generic microwave functions or generic dishwasher functions and ovens. So I do it both ways. Excellent. Something like this could also be used to mark other kinds of things. If someone is not a braille or a large print reader, it sounds like they could be used to mark pill bottles. Or if someone wants to make reusable labels for cans, they could have different shapes conceivably. It sounds like there are a lot of different options. I believe the only other question I have, at least at the moment, is how do you handle numbers? You know, a lot of the microwaves have a numeric keypad. Okay, good question. If they're in the standard keypad format, I put a circle over all the numbers, a circle icon, then I make the five stand out. So I use the mm -hmm. five as like a an anchor. So hopefully mm -hmm. that's the first thing you recognize. It's kind of grounds you on the control panel. And then when you have the five, then you can, if it's in that standard format, then you know where the rest of the buttons are. That's nice, and I would think that that's reassuring to many people. Sometimes you see new products coming out. For example, the up and the down arrows may not even be arrow-shaped, or the right. numbers may be done really differently. But I know for me, even when I'm trying to learn something new, using those standard conventions is kind of comforting because very quickly you know, oh, okay, I know where I am here. I've oriented myself. Right. The reason I'm not using Braille is, though obviously Braille is incredibly important. It's not universal. I think there's a space in this tactile domain where shapes can be helpful. It's not to replace it. It's just to say there's places where if I use like a stair step shape for the power level on your microwave, well, 
from a manufacturing point of view, somebody like GE would really like that we have this universal icon for that. If they make it for the Chinese market, Spanish market, the Russian market, they don't have to make a different interface for each one of those markets if they use these tactile icons. And not everybody knows Braille, too. Some low vision individuals may not know Braille, but they can tactilely feel different shapes. Yes. Right. I've heard a lot of feedback from people that say when the older people lose some vision, that it's hard for them to learn Braille. So maybe these shapes would make it easier to use those appliances. Right. faster if you have lost your sight and you're attempting you know even if you are attempting to learn a essentially a new format of reading and writing you're going to already know those shapes automatically so you can easily kind of integrate that into your life more quickly i didn't just make this up i have um advisors that tell me (laughs) um because i actually did a study that was crowdfunded people recognize the helpfulness of this tactile icon idea and so through that study i met three people that are visually impaired and they're like my testers, advisors, and they, you know, they give me a lot of feedback. And and so that's what's resulted in this product of these tactile icons. I love that it seems so well thought out. I'm a big proponent of Braille, but I've gone to use Braille microwaves or microwaves that had been labeled in Braille at some people's homes. And I think to myself, oh boy, this doesn't look like any Braille I've ever read because (laughs) you got little sticky on crumbs and you get food spatters and things and also sometimes with the braille labels depending on the kind of overlay you have they don't always stick and so people are hesitant to wipe them and so it really gets to be very much a catch-22 something like this i think sounds well thought out and like it would hold up i especially love the idea of the silicone because you're not covering up the labels it's not just this is the microwave mom can use, or this is the microwave that grandpa can use. This is the microwave. One of the things I also learned is it has to look good. The feedback is, you know, they don't like having these stickers on there that kind of detract and fall off or, you know, just might not look good or fit with that appliance. I think they look good. I think they they look like a, a normal everyday appliance. Like yes. they belong. Right. Yeah, they don't they look belong. like... You, yeah. they, Thank they don't you. look like you just went into some junk drawer in your house and, oh, let's just tape this on and, you know. <laughs> right. They're, or like, oh, this uh, is a blindness-specific thing, you know. This 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 is yeah. clearly for the blind person in the family, you know, which I, is great. I forget what that's called, but Lisa would probably know the answer to this. Is that oh, orange, Lisa. like, goo that you'd put on? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, puff paint? Puff paint. Yep. Well, yeah. it's like that. It's they have... Like that. Spot in line, and before that, it was high marks. Now, you can do a little better with that if you have a good hand yep. and the moon is not full and you get a good tube. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you do that, you're trying to make a really fine little dot or a little line, and your tube just kind of explodes in your hand. I mean, it's not really something that that I know of that most blind people can apply effectively, but I've worked with sighted drivers and people helping when we're labeling something in someone's home and they're like, oh, it's not behaving today. It just exploded all over the microwave. So this is really a wonderful thing and I think will be a boon to lots of people and help them to live more independently. 
And the ongoing research thing, I think, is such a good thing to continue to be in touch with your testers and finding out what's working, what's not, how can we make this better. I love that entire enthusiasm that you have for it and your continued commitment to it. I think that's great. I don't know if you are familiar with all the options on the newer microwaves, but some of them have some very challenging options. Like one is chicken nuggets, right? (sighs) And so the question is, what's a shape? that represents chicken nuggets. Ooh. Right? (laughs) You take the label off the microwave and you throw it on the floor, and if it bounces back up into your hand, that's the chicken nugget. That's my thinking. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, boy. One of my testers, Kay, she said, and I think you should try a chicken leg. Like, okay, you know, I I get it. So I made two shapes of... Uh, chicken leg. I'm not a designer, but I did my best, and and I brought them to one of my other testers, Kirsten. Okay, Kirsten, I kind of gave her because it's actually Kirsten's oven that has a a chicken nugget setting. All right, for this setting, which one works for you? And she said, she felt the top one, and she's like, that's a chicken leg. Yeah, I get that. That's good. I'm like, what? Well, what do you think about that second one? And I just slightly modified it a bit, maybe emphasizing other parts of the chicken leg shape and she said and that's a fish Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. but it's interesting that a visual person looks at that and they well you know they look so similar like chicken legs but if you're doing it by touch it was a totally different thing and not totally different you can kind of understand how those shapes would be mistaken for each other right yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I know for me, it was always kind of a struggle if something wasn't necessarily 3D. I would often confuse myself into thinking something similar was, in fact, something else. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So there's still a lot of work to do. And I like that you caught on that there's ongoing research. I'd like to improve the icons and go into more domains, refrigerators, washing machines, you know, and because everything has menus now and options right and and, you know there's other options that we probably haven't even seen yet so that that work is ongoing the question is what is the best way to do this i mean it would be nice if a manufacturer said okay maybe they could make a thermoformed overlay because a thermoform overlay is the most durable and if they could do that i think that would be the ultimate solution it's not cost effective for me to do that right so i think the tactile icons are good if enough people like them and use them and they're helpful then i think that makes the whole system work even better because then there'll be that consistency and that uniformity i'll still work on the chicken nugget and the there's a mac and cheese setting. There's a there's popcorn. hot dog. Hot dog is a tough one. What do you what do you do with a hot dog? <laughs> and oh. really, not everybody needs every setting either. Yeah, or uses every setting. I mean, I think it's kind of good to, especially kids. You know, if they use their microwave at home and it has a hot dog setting, and then they're learning 
to do basic things at school and their microwave doesn't have a hot dog setting, that shouldn't be the end of it. They should know, okay, well, a hot dog you generally cook for this amount of time so that they have options. And I find sometimes that when you put too much on a surface, it really does clutter it. And I had some of my older people who were really not used to scanning a tactile environment and working systematically through to find all the elements that they needed. And so what we did for them, and we could add things later, but what we did for them was we would do the instant minute button and we would do start or clear and we'd keep it very minimal. It's kind of fascinating because it sounds like you're coming up with options for all kinds of people, regardless of what their needs and their particular situations and their appliances might be. That's why adding the individual icon packages instead of making an overlay and trying to represent everything, I agree with you, it can be very cluttered. And some of those interfaces are very small. Yes. So you have options. You can add things as you go along. That was something that more recent update, and I think that works out well. Speaking of, do you have different sizes for the start and cancel buttons and things like that? Now, that is a great question. I am finding there are such differences. So I think I'll have to offer different sizes, you know, uh, so I have to, you know, like maybe small or large. It's a really a question as to where do I divide that line and how does somebody tell me the size of their microwave? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I offer a small version and a larger version in the same package, maybe. Yeah. Right. And then they can, you know, pick whatever they, whatever they want. Uh Because the small that might work perfectly on their microwave might leave the large free to be used on their washer. Right. The ovens, I'm finding there's more space on some of the ovens. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of people like to mark their dishwasher. I thought I found that mm-hmm. was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My, Even some. Like, my, oh, sorry. My, my dishwasher actually has because uh, I'm gonna have to get some of these from you, Anne, because my dishwasher has a little piece of felt stuck to the start button. <laughs> And that's all I have. And you know what? That's what I did for my father because his dishwasher, the panel is about, you know, facing right at his thigh. And so he has to lean over to see which button to press because it's a flat surface. Yep, so is mine. So we marked it. I Actually, I made a TikTok, but it's for everybody. It's for sighted and not sighted, I think. There's so many uses for it. And I'm thinking even like a design your own package. Okay, if you want six icons, for instance, you can kind of mix and match, you know, here's what I need for my personal package or something along those lines that could really make it customizable for whatever someone was curious about or thought they might need for their particular appliance. So is it because of your father that you got into this in the beginning? I got into this because... I really want to work on these programmable surfaces, surfaces that can change shape. We call them dynamic tactile interfaces. If we are to do that, if you had your iPhone, if you could feel buttons on your iPhone, like physical buttons, Mm -hmm. it could change shape right off out of that surface, what would you do with that? A tactile language other than Braille is a space that really needs to be explored. And doing research on that at ABVI, and I saw how they labeled their oven, and like, oh, wow, I wonder if we could use shapes instead of these mm-hmm. round bump dots. And that's really how it all started. Very I, fascinating. I didn't expect to go down this path. But... 
<laughs> but there's a need I, I'm finding. That's really you know where I'm at right now and the direction that I'd like to take this. The whole you know the visually impaired community is part of this one big research project to <laughs> help serve humanity on tactile interfaces. Really. Well, if you think about it, some of these products that come out like. For example, a PDA that a sighted person would use didn't really gain popularity until, say, the mid-2000s, but blind and visually impaired people have been using that type of technology in their Braille and Speaks and, and things like that since the late mm -hmm. 80s. Right. Um, same with speech recognition. If you have something <laughs> like uh, an Echo or Google Home, which just came out, that type of technology has been around forever, and it helped with the inability for someone to be able to type. Exactly. This is how I see it happening with tactile surfaces, too. Mm -hmm. You're really leading the way. The interesting thing is, what's that backup modality? If we're talking about a tactile surface and something doesn't make sense, then a sighted person would look at it. But what would a person that's not sighted, well, they would use audio. So blending all those things together, I think, will make these human-computer interactions much better. It's kind of an exciting field to be in. Yeah, you're coming right back around to universal design principles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. What would be a good tactile icon for a hot dog? Mm. I think just a straight line, line, like a hot dog shape. Like a, a long line, you could, you could either do like the hot dog... Or the hot dog with the bun. I was just bun. thinking like the, the same thing. thing. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because a hot it's dog, hard, though. A hot dog to me, a tactile hot dog shape to me, could also look like a cucumber. Yeah, but I'd you like know. Right. Yeah. Or, or a carrot. But eventually you just have to say, okay, this is the hot dog exactly. because, right. you yeah. know, my yeah. microwave yeah. doesn't have my microwave. Last I checked does not have a cucumber setting, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I think that really the simpler you can keep it, because Kim kind of hinted at this, if you have a three-dimensional object and you're trying to display that in two dimensions, you have not had sight. You're going to have difficulty conceptualizing this. Yeah. I'm actually curious about that. I've always been fascinated by the differences in perception between people who lost their sight later in life or those who were born blind or lost their sight as infants and young children. Do you find that sometimes someone who has had sight will recognize one of your icons and one of your people who has been totally blind for a long time just kind of gives you a funny look? Or do you find that they're pretty much universally recognized? Hmm. I didn't test enough people to answer that question. I had mm -hmm. 12 people in my test, which is actually quite good for yeah, yeah. For, sure. for this kind of test. Uh, but I haven't noticed anything in terms of when did that blindness occur. Right. I have yeah. noticed, though, when different people test these overlays, people that uh, do not have vision, their sense of touch is so refined. They approach it in almost delicate manner but someone that's sighted which is interesting to me they're trying to they they're really rough with the icons like they're trying to gain more out of that to overcome their sightedness i think 
They're probably trying to go very quickly. They also could possibly not have a good concept of, okay, if you want to know what's on your microwave, you might want to start at the upper left and either move down the left side or move across. That you'd want to start at one place and systematically cover that information. Right. Or maybe even that they're trying to overcompensate for yeah. their yeah. spitedness by saying, let's see how hard I can touch this. Yeah. Well, because it's new and it's anxiety. <laughs> it's new and it's different, you know? yeah. I mean, I remember when I got my first, well, it wasn't an iPhone, it was an iPod touch. And I was learning and I was excited about it. But there was also a little bit of tension, like, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know. And I played with it for a couple hours that first night. And the next day... I woke up and I couldn't bend my finger because, (laughs) yeah, because I was, and I knew I was doing it. I could feel the tension in my hand, but I kept doing it and kept trying to relax it. But I was pressing too hard and wow, I just, I couldn't bend my finger. I couldn't move it. And it was like, you know, I think after two or three days I got over that, but it did take some time. I wonder if it's because sighted people are trying to overcome their, they want the tactile channel, their sense of touch to give them more information than their eyes are giving them. I almost think of it that way. Could be. And if they close their eyes, maybe they would be more apt to be a little more gentle, a little more delicate and, you know, kind of let it flow a little better than kind of forcing that understanding. That would be an interesting study. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, this this is my only level or only avenue of sensory stimulation right now because my eyes are closed and I'm touching it now. So let's see what I can experience versus right. multiple. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think as people who've been blind a long time, we are used to compensating for the unfortunate reality that sometimes things take longer. We're not going to run our eyes over the microwave, spot the chicken nugget button and just jab it. We're going to have to feel. And so we're used to things taking longer. And so I would think that when you're coming at that from a visual perspective, there could be some impatience like, why is this taking me so long? I remember when I was younger, And my father would show me a new remote for like a TV or a VCR or whatever. He would take my finger, plop it on the power button and say, this is the power button. And then he would pick it up, move it somewhere else completely. (laughs) Oh, this is the play button. Well, where is it in relationship to the last one? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Those kind of things that we have to think about for everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, what works best in all those different situations and You know, and I think the shapes will help. You also mentioned the icons that I have available right now. They're really like extruded 2D. They're just cutouts. The best thing would be to have some type of surface variation. That way you can communicate more information with that tactile icon. So that would be another future work. If these things are helpful, that we could make some improvements. So now it's not just the edge. It's also the surface. Like the power level maybe. It not only is like a stair step outline, but each step, you know, on the surface might get higher. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that would be an improvement. I think that would really help with the hot dog problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a place where people can contact you if they would like more information? Uh, certainly. I have a website and it's tangiblesurfaceresearch.com. 
and they can contact me through there. I also have a page that talks about how to order the tactile icons and the overlays. I actually call the product HALOS, H-A-L-O-S, and it stands for Home Appliance Labeling and Overlay System. I also have a display of all the current tactile icons on the website. Wonderful. Nice. Thank you, Anne, for taking your time out of your busy schedule and sharing what you do with us and our listeners. I personally found it very, very fascinating. Yeah, I think there's a lot here to help a lot of people and and get a great deal out of it. We get thousands of listeners every month, and I really hope that some of y'all will... um, We'll give your feedback and, and share and reach out to Anne if you're interested in something like this, because it's certainly a very valuable service that needs some more love. So let's <laughs> let's be supportive. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and this venue to uh, communicate and improve understanding for everyone. Take care. Our pleasure. Yep, our pleasure. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. To contact us, please visit www.mysticaccess.com. Call us, 716-543-3323, and press 2 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at show at mysticaccesspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Please tell your friends and colleagues to visit us at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy what you hear on our podcasts, feel free to leave us an iTunes rating and review. We certainly appreciate those. Also, you may feel free to use our podcasts in your own RSS feed. Just be sure that all of our contact information is left intact. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode.